two, one, boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready for an episode filled with business insight, turnaround success stories, and lessons in leadership from a true expert in the retail turnaround arena. So stay tuned. Let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life, prestige, wealth, freedom, it can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you and welcome to another episode of Business Boss. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're honored to have a true expert in his field with us. The managing director of Getzler Hendrick and Associates joins us to share his remarkable journey in the world of retail turnaround management. In this episode, we're going to delve deep into his extensive experience in reviving retail businesses from fast fashion giants to iconic brands. Get ready for a captivating conversation with the art of turnaround. Stay tuned for an enlightened discussion that will offer valuable lessons for business professionals and enthusiasts alike. We're excited to learn from our guest's wealth of expertise and insight in the world of retail and business turnaround. Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Apple. There we go. We are back. Michael, can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay, cool, cool. I had a little technical glitch there. I was like, no, but we're good. Looks like we're good to go. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming on the program today. Every time somebody comes on the show, it's because it they're promoting some- I'm frozen. Can you hear me? Michael, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, good, good. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, uh, so- okay. Okay, so whenever somebody comes on the show, they're here to promote something, something that they're doing to get out into the public, their business model, their, the way they make a living. Uh, if you can explain it as easily as possible, like where a fifth grader can understand what it is that you do, what is it that you do for a living? Okay, what I do for a living as the managing director and head of, head of the retail practice at Kessler Henrik is advise companies and help them turn around their businesses uh, from companies that are are healthy and are looking to improve their performance to companies that are are uh, are short of cash uh, and and need uh, and, and need operating help ASAP to make sure that they can keep on operating. Businesses, it sounds like, that are on life support. Maybe they have a good model in place. Uh, they do something really well, but maybe they're missing a few pieces that little bit that needs to get plugged and played, uh, re-strategized, advised upon. Who's the target audience? Is this like a small mom and pop shop? We're looking for you know 100 plus employees, a certain right. revenue line. What are you looking yeah. for as far so our, as our practice audience? focuses on the middle market, anywhere from companies that are 25 to 50 million to up to a billion. Uh, so, so that's what we define as the middle market. So there's a, a wide, uh, a, a wide spectrum of companies, uh, in, in, in that regard. And is it, is it specifically in the retail space? Are we specifically talking, uh, like brick and mortar or with like things are changing drastically today? Retail could just mean a warehouse where things get shipped out these days. Right. Well, basically uh, our practice focuses on, 
uh, all forms of retail, direct to consumer. So that could be bricks and mortar, that could be direct to consumer e-commerce, all right? Or, uh, or for many companies today, they're on the channel, right? They sell through a variety of different channels uh, and they may have, have stores as well as e-commerce. And that's, that's probably the predominant model, but there are a lot of, of uh, uh, digitally native businesses that sell only direct to consumer uh, on, on the internet. And let me ask you about your educational journey, how you got here. I mean, there's a, a plenty of different ways that, that people go into entrepreneurship. Some people go, go through a college degree program. They decide that corporate America is not for them. They go on their own venture. Others, it's kind of a calling. You didn't really have a choice. You just started into entrepreneurship and you had experience as you learned. What was your experience, your educational journey to get okay. to where you are today? Well, my educational journey... Uh, really, as far as being relevant to this was uh, uh, I graduated from Harvard Business School and was interested in marketing and retail. And through uh, through my advisor's uh, uh, help, I got a summer internship job at Bloomingdale's and uh, I really loved it. Uh, and I love the idea of being able to, uh, you know, in those days, have a, a profit and loss that I controlled. And when I graduated from business school, uh, they offered me a job and I, I went to work for them. And at that time, Bloomingdale's was considered the number one department store in the world. And it was a fabulous place uh, to learn merchandising, uh, to run a business. And that's how I started. I spent the first 10 years of my career there. I know when I talk to, uh, and I've talked to over a thousand entrepreneurs at this point, almost every single one of them ask uh, or talk about finding a mentorship. You talked about in, uh, having, starting off as an intern, starting off as somebody that didn't really know what they were doing, but you had somebody there to kind of guide you, take you under their wing, if you will, and kind of uh, kind of push you in a direction where you're like, okay, this is what I like to do. This is where I think I'm at. Like having control of your own P&L, making some of these executive decisions. How did you get started as as that entrepreneur space? How did you know that this was your calling, that this is what you wanted to do? Well, I think it was the fact that I was exposed to the business. I, I was always interested in the business and my family was in the was in the the, the garment center. So I always had some some uh, connection to the to the fashion business as a kid. And I was actually going to be a lawyer. And then I ended up running the student business organization at my college. And I got so turned on by that that I decided, you know what, I'd rather go to business school. And that's what I did. And that's how it started. And I went to business school. I was interested in marketing and, and retail. And my advisor was a very famous professor of retail, Professor Walter Salmon at Harvard Business School. And he sort of directed me uh, into, into taking a summer job uh, at one of, the, one of the department stores at that time. And so that's how it started. And I got in there and I, re I really liked it. And they liked me and they offered me to, you know, a job. Uh, and, you know, I started that way and jumped in. And it, in those days, really department stores were the training ground for most retailers. Uh, and they had training programs and you had great merchants. And it, it was it, it was a little bit different than it is today, which is much more more structured and financially driven, though. Obviously, making a profit is why you're there. Right. But but it was a great combination. I would say, you know, retail is a great combination of art and science. Right. You've got to be good at both if you want to make money. And I like I love that idea um, being able to do that. 
I feel like, uh, you know, I, I've been in business myself for, for about 20 years now. And in those 20 years, things have drastically changed. Everything from, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, we used to play outside until the lights came on. Today, my kids don't play outside hardly ever. And it's a it's a, just a completely different world. Uh, I didn't have the internet as a kid. And all of a sudden, everybody has the internet in the palm of their hands. And I feel like in the retail space, it took a big hit, especially during the COVID times. And things have drastically changed over the last, I don't know, five years easy over the last 20, 30 years dramatically. Uh, you've seen businesses have to shift, have to make changes. If you were going to give advice to somebody starting in the retail or e-commerce space today with all the knowledge and experience you have, what advice would you give to them? Well, I, my advice would be that, that as far as retail is concerned, change has always been with us. The retail business and the you know it changes with us all the time. And if you look at at how 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 uh, retail has changed, it's continuing and uh, to evolve and change with the consumer. So and that's never gonna that's never gonna uh, stop. Uh, and I think the, the difference today is the pace of change and the influence of technology on consumers and on operating businesses. And that you have to be you real you have to be open to it and you have to embrace it. It doesn't replace, it doesn't replace, uh, you know, the expertise of executives, right? But the technology is a great tool to, to help you uh, accommodate change and stay close to your consumer. I remember uh, as a kid seeing, uh, well, shopping at Sears for one, seeing the Sears catalogs, things coming in the mail that way. Uh, and then all of a sudden we had a big shift in retail and everything was in, in the stores. I remember as a teenager going to the malls and hanging out there and, you know, having that whole retail event to today. It's almost like we're back to that Sears catalog time with uh, Timu's and the Sheens and these types of organizations. Uh, you see those shifts in the different ways that we market and some of those core fundamental things that are still in place today that tend to work over and over again. What are some of those core marketing things that you oh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, well, the core the core thing you have to remember is, you know, we're, we're in the business as retailers, we're in the business of buying and selling merchandise at a profit. OK, and so you don't forget the product. The product always comes first. All right. Because, you know, if you don't have the product right. You can, you know, you, you won't be successful. And that has never changed. And, and the, what, you know, what's changed is, is channels of distribution. But, you know, 80% of all sales in retail are still done in stores. But, mm. that, but consumers today, you know, want the, want the convenience in, of, of shopping across channels, right? So if they want to go online, they want to go online. If they want to go to stores, they want to go to stores. If they want to shop, they, you know, people still buy uh, through direct mail. They have that option as well. So, so I think it's a question of, of, of you have to be the consumer. You know, the power is much more in the consumer, right? Because you've got to, you've got to give her the choices that, that she needs while at the same time, operating the business so that you can continue to make money. Businesses tend to make mistakes all the time. And that's kind of why your particular business model works so well is you're helping businesses kind of correct or, or their course correct and whatever they're doing wrong. What are some of the big mistakes you're seeing retailers make today uh, that you're kind of coming in and helping them shift and, and, and uh, change for the better? Yeah, well, I think when you're looking at, the, at these situations very often, what's happened is, you know, when you, you go into a business that's been around for a while, 
for very often in companies that that are having challenges that they've sort of they've strayed from their their, their core competency and what connected them with consumers and what made them differentiated and great and so uh, very often you'll see you know companies that are that are uh, are, are going into other lines of business or they're they they've gotten too um I, I would say because of the private equity model today they're they're driven by you know they're financially driven and there's nothing wrong with being financially driven but you know you, you've got to balance it with making sure that a you understand your customer b you have the right product c you have the right team to execute your, your execute your strategy and in today's marketplace you've got to have plenty of liquidity if you don't have enough capital to you know continue to operate your business and fund your business operations th that's a problem and we see that very frequently is that companies you know get stressed and they're not paying attention to cash and you need to, you need to have liquidity in order to be able to do all the things that you need to do and that's very true in a turnaround because in a turnaround you know companies companies are stressed they're not making their numbers their their liquidity is is under pressure and so you've got to turn that around and give them uh, the, the runway they need to fix their business yeah, liquidity, I think, is a huge issue, especially in the retail space, because you have uh, those cyclical markets. Usually that from what I understand in the retail space, the Q4 is the biggest quarter uh, for most retail agencies. And you still have to have that cash, that liquidity to float the other three quarters of the year uh, when you're not having the bulk of your sales for a lot of those things or have different promos or things to kind of to kind of change that that cash flow aspect of it. Um, I think examples and case studies always tell stories better than kind of statistics will. Uh, can you share any of those case studies, any stories where you've helped turn around a company, where they were, what you did, and how you got them to where they are today? Sure. I mean, I think a good a good uh, company to talk about, which is which was one of my most recent assignments, uh, and uh, was Route Twenty One. And Route Twenty One was a uh, and is a. Uh, a, a I always call it the largest retailer nobody's ever heard of. They're a junior. They, they cater to juniors and and young men, uh, mostly uh, of, of lower incomes. And our, the stores are in smaller towns and cities. And before the company was restructured, it went through a bankruptcy in 2017. We had uh, 1,250 stores in almost every state. And even after the restructuring, uh, in 2017, the company had 750 stores. And one of the, the big issues when I got involved, and I got involved at the behest of the, the, the creditors who ended up owning the company, and that happens very often in a restructuring, is that the lenders, uh, the people that own the debt, end up owning the company. Uh, and so they, they asked me to be the chairman. And then a month afterwards, I became the, the, the CEO. And the first thing you have to figure out really is is you know uh, where's the company at all right what is the current status of the company and how is it performing and when you look at that and, and you know for for us uh what we realized was that um uh, that we didn't really have a lot of good data believe it or not on our consumer uh the company had been run by you know merchants for many years and they thought they knew who the consumer was uh but they kind of lost their way and so the first thing we did, and I have sort of a five-step process, sort of the, in terms of, of how I look at things. And the first thing is 
A, you have to understand your consumer. Because if you don't understand your consumer, you can't, you can't fix your business. And you have to understand your consumer segments. And most businesses, it's not one customer. It's customer segments. And some of them are valuable and some of them are not. In the case of Rue, we had continually, the company had continually overbought. And so they had a tremendous amount of, of, of clearance all the time, which is not what you want. All right. You want to buy and turn the merchandise and make a profit. And what we found out was, was that, you know, two, two of our segments were really the ones that, that were, were driving the business. And those were both segments of customers that were interested in fashion. So we got to, and one was more fashion um, secure and the other was needed help when making their fashion choices. And you're talking about, you know, teens and young adults, right? Catering to them and they want what's trendy, what's new, et cetera. And the first thing we the first thing we figured out was and while we were doing the research, we were doing the things that we were doing, we were doing in parallel. When you're doing a turnaround, you have to you have to do a lot of things all at the same time. You can't do this and then do that because time is your enemy. So so we did the research and we also found out that the merchandise that we had on hand was going to be an issue and we were going to have a really tough Christmas. And so we made a decision that we were going to run the business for cash, not to maximize sales so that we didn't burn up our liquidity and that we knew that the merchandise that we had was was not that saleable. And so we had to try to liquidate that and 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 cut future orders of the wrong merchandise so that we could get from September to back to school and so that we could get traction there. So we saw that and I had a terrific guy that worked with me that we brought on board who was uh, really had a doctorate in data analytics. And that was in 2017. That was pretty, pretty out there at the time. But um, he was able because he had such such expertise on AI and and machine learning, et cetera, to be able to an algorithm to be able to predict, you know, what 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 we'd get out of our inventories and what we needed to do. So we took that information and we used that in terms of our our tactical strategy to survive. And so so we had that going. We knew it was going to go in. We knew we had to run the business for cash, which talks about, you know, the liquidity issue. Then we we got the research on our customer that told us who the customer segments were that we needed to to focus on in order to fix the business and drive the business. And then the next was at the same time was did we have the team to be able to execute the strategy that we were putting in place. And we had to make some big changes in that regard because we didn't have the right people to do that. And once we got the team, once we got the team in place, all right, and this was all happening at the same time, then once we got the team in place and we understood our customer, we were able to fix the product. So, so we knew, you know, what the assortments were going to look like, how we were going to buy and how we were going to move this thing forward. And we had a, you know, the business that the company had been in business for, you know, 25 or 30 years. So we had a pretty good idea of what was going to, you know, what was going to work and what they needed. But because it's a junior young men's business, you know, you can't rely on the past. You've got to, you've got to look ahead. And part of fixing the product was um, utilizing technology tools to help us better plan our purchases. So we did business. So, so my, my uh, SVP of data analytics had done a lot of work with a company called First Insight, which did digital testing of product. 
And, you know, years ago, you didn't have that. But there are so many technology tools that are available to retailers to help them run their businesses. Doesn't replace, you know, the merchant. It's that combination of art and science, but it enables you to be more efficient and buy better and buy faster. So, you know, that company was great because they were able to, and the, the way it worked was they assembled uh, uh, consumer panels of our customers who had a history of picking winners. And we would, we would, uh, the buyers would bring the product they were thinking of buying and uh, to the panels, you know, online, and they would rate them. And there was a very high correlation between high ratings and success and also low ratings and no, you shouldn't buy it. So what that did was, and we'd get the results in, in, in uh, 48 hours. So instead of doing the usual test and learn that retailers used to do, which you brought a small quantity in, it took you three months, then you figured out if it worked or not, and then you ordered it, you were, you were really uh, truncating that, that ability to order closer to need and being closer to your customer and getting them what they wanted. So it was a, a really um, a, sort of a game changer in that regard. Yeah, that's, I mean, that makes a big difference. Understanding your customer, um, then knowing exactly what their future orders are going to be, uh, everything from being able to fix your product and having that team in place. I mean, that's a big thing that you have to put together. And you said all this stuff was being done simultaneously, all at the same time. So to be able to, to make that transformation for, for a company, I think that makes a huge difference. Uh, it, taking them out of a bankruptcy situation to a thriving situation is huge. Is huge. Uh, I think that gives you that competitive advantage in your industry because there's a lot of companies that are out there that are going to try to help to restructure. But there's a reason why people come to you guys to do what you do. What do you think is that that thing that sets you apart? What's the thing that your company does best? Well, I think it's a combination of two things. I think it's a combination of financial restructuring expertise because you most of these situations, you have to fix the balance sheet because you have too much debt. You see that you see that all the time, especially in the PE model, where you know they they buy the company and then they put a you know they do an LBO and they put a huge amount of debt on the company and that's got to be fixed and restructured. And then at the same time, uh, you need the operating expertise to be able to to fix the company's model, all right, and and get it uh, and, and get it working again. And I think that at Getzler, it's our combination of operational expertise and financial restructuring expertise that gets us gets us to the answer faster. And in today's environment and restructuring and troubled companies, you've got to be able to move quickly and decisively, right? And you've got to, and the bank, you know, the bankruptcy, the process of bankruptcy and restructuring is, you know, it's very expensive to do it. If you can avoid bankruptcy, great. If you can restructure out of court, that's what you want to do because it, it takes a lot, it costs a lot of money to go into chapter 11. So because you've got all these, oh, yeah. to pay, et cetera. So, so if you can avoid it, great. If you can't, well, you know, you got to get through it quickly. And so that means you've got to move very quickly to, to, uh, to start to fix the business because there are a lot of companies when 2017, when Rue came out of bankruptcy, there was a whole cohort of, of companies that came out and we were like one of the only ones that actually didn't go into chapter 22 and liquidate. So, you know, we were, we were very proud of the fact that we were able to do that and get traction. Um, and we were able to get traction on the business and really show, show improvement 
you know, by, by back to school. And that was critical. Yeah, speed speed to market is definitely uh, something that people need to get fixed. Whatever it is that's going on in your company, if you do end up dragging it into those courts, it could take the court their own sweet time to get the whole process done. If you can avoid it, yeah, you're 100% correct. Restructuring that debt and avoiding the bankruptcy is huge for a lot of these companies, especially in the retail space uh, when they're trying to float some of these cash flow issues, not understanding how to manage that cash flow effectively. Um, where do you see the company going here? What's the future of your company as we as we run here uh, shorter, shorter on time? What's the uh, where do you see your company going from from where they are today to what you see in the next couple of years? Oh, well, I think, you know, in terms of Getzler, I mean, I think that, you know, we 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 run the gamut of fix of, of, of advising companies that want to improve their performance. They could be healthy, but they want to do better to companies that are that are that are stressed and and, you know, are are, are facing a, a, a chapter 11. We we like to think that we. Our, our goal is to, is to turn them around and save them, not to liquidate them. And I think that, well, you know, what you're going to see in the future is that you've got to be able to move quickly and you've got to fix the business. You can't just fix the balance sheet, okay? Because if you don't fix the business while you're fixing the balance sheet, you know, you're going to come out, you're going to fail. And we've seen that so many times in, in, in the marketplace. So, you know, that that's what you got to do. And you, and you need... And you need talented, experienced people that understand how to, how to uh, affect the turnaround to do that. And we, we have great, we have a great bench at Getzler Henry. And that's the key, right? Mentorship, expertise, that's what people look out for. So if you're struggling with your business, you're in a position where you're ready to get some things done, but you need some of that professional help. You can always reach out to Michael and his, and his team. Michael, by the way, if people want to reach out to you, they want to get some help, how can they do that? Okay, well, they can email us at, uh, and they can email me at, at emmapel at getzlerhenrich.com, all right, or call me at directly uh, at 917-789-3615. And uh, we're, hap we're, ha we're always happy to talk with uh, potential clients and, and people who just want to understand what we do and how we can help them. Perfect. Michael, thank you very much for being on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, restructuring, understanding your finances. It doesn't matter if you're at the beginning part of your business or you've been in business for 30 years. Sometimes you fall into these pits, into these errors or mistakes that you just didn't know were happening and you need a way out and you need to assemble a team that can help you get there. So make sure you reach out to Michael's team. Website scrolling across the bottom, GetzlerHendrick.com, GetzlerHendrick.com. You can shoot him an email. M Apple at uh, M Appel at GetzlerHendrick.com. Michael, thank you very much for being on the program today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today. Bye.